This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Uh, we're starting a series today for Christmas called Wonder. Wonder. There's something about Christmas and wonder. And we're believing for the next few weeks as we come into Christmas Eve, we're having our service at the same time as of right now. It's Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, we're going to have our Christmas Eve service. But leading up to Christmas, we want to talk about the wonder of Christmas. And our goal, our, our, our desire is that it would awaken some of us. Nicole said it so well. Sometimes we fall asleep in culture. You're walking, but we're, we're, we're sleepwalking. You can be somewhere, but you're not awakened. And, and you're not awakened to your family or your faith or your culture or the city. And we're believing that for some of us, God will waken some things that have fallen asleep in your life. Maybe it's dreams. Maybe it's a, a faith. But God will awaken some things in your life. Others, we're believing you'll be inspired. I make, I, make, I make no apologies. We, we believe when you leave church, you should be inspired to take on your week. Inspired to be a better husband or a better, a, a, a better wife, a better parent, to, to be a better business owner, a better employee, a better citizen. We want to inspire you. I believe you cannot come into the presence of Jesus Christ, cannot come into God's presence, and it not light something inside of you. Sometimes people go into church and think it's dead and it's quiet. That's why we like a loud church. Why? We believe it's a party. When you realize that God made you, he formed you, he called you, and he wants to launch you, it'll inspire you. We want you to leave inspired church. That's why the coffee is strong, the music is loud, and the jeans are tight. Come on, somebody. We want to inspire you. Wake you up a little bit. Others, we want to challenge you. Some people want church that's not challenging. They just want easy church. Listen, this is a fun church, but it is not an easy church. This all got set up this morning. I didn't even know what it looked like until I came out. I'm like, oh, it's like a Christmas miracle. And it, listen, this church is a challenging church. It's challenging work-wise. We want it to be challenging in its messages. Not hard, not heavy, but challenging. And I've realized in life that the best things in life are challenging. If it, if it doesn't challenge you, it ain't worth it. Someone said to me, I'm, I'm at school, man. It's really challenging. Lots of exams and tests. I'm like, that's what you want. That's why you're paying a thousand, a million dollars a year to go to university. Why? Because you don't want to go through going, that was easy, easy button staples. Because that might feel good in the moment, but I don't want the guy operating on me to go, you know, school wasn't really a challenge. Didn't really learn anything. I want him to be challenged in the classroom, so come on, so he can do it in the real world. Parenting is challenging. Parenting is very easy without kids, come on. A budget's very easy without bills. And I believe that the word of God challenges us to be better, to go to another level. We're believing this series will challenge you today. We're believing it will challenge your life, challenge your faith. That song we even sang, How Great Thou Art, it says, I see the awesome wonder. There's something about the wonder of Christmas. We're going to start today in the book of Matthew. It's the very first book of the New Testament. If you have a Bible, we're going to put it on the screen in just a moment. But I want to just let you know the context this morning of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was written, this, this book was written in the end of the first century. In Acts, you read in Acts that the persecution came and the Romans came in and the church got scattered and it actually went all over the then known world and the apostles and disciples and Christians scattered over Europe and into Asia and even into Africa, Ethiopia, and they, they scattered. And now we have the church that was once in one place, now all over, and God used a bad situation to get his good news around the world. Listen, sometimes we don't see things the way God sees it. We see it as a trial. We see it as a bad thing. And God not, is not in the bad things, but he can use the bad things. 
And in the persecution and the trials, the church got spread. And Matthew wrote this, they say, in Syria. That's where he was. And he was writing it to Jewish Christians who back home in Israel were occupied more than ever by Rome. Rome had destroyed the temple. They had tightened their grip of imperialism and, 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 and overtaking their culture. And Matthew is writing to Jewish Christians. Now, in Jewish culture, genealogy is a big deal. Uh, generations matter, who your father was and who their father was. And that's why even God, uh, who, who came for the Jewish people, said, I'm the, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a generational God. Do you ever see that commercial for, is it Ancestry.com? Have you seen that thing where you can find out who your ancestors are? I don't care about that. I know where I came from, Hilda and Gary. They're right back there. I have 100% Hilda's nose and 100% Gary's humor. And thank God I have 100% Hilda's hair. You know, like I just, I just, I, I, that, I know where I came from. But to some people, it's important. And you see the commercial, and it's like, you know, 20% Irish, 10% Nigerian, you know, 30% here. And there's this, you can find out through your DNA and through your history, you can find out where you came from and who your grandparents and great-grandparents. To the Jewish culture, ancestors and heritage is a big deal. If you, when we start reading Matthew in a moment, it starts the Christmas story going through a list of genealogy. That's what we're going to pick up today as we start this series on wonder. He's trying to tie the present to their past. Let's start reading in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse 1. See it on the screen behind me. I'm going to try to read from the screen today. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, descendants of David and Abraham. Right away he starts off with, let me just tell you who this Jesus guy is that you've heard about. Maybe you've heard the stories. Maybe you've, you've met him. Maybe you've seen the miracles. I need to tie it in because the world was being taken over by the Christian faith. It was a, a movement. It was a revival. And right away, Matthew is trying to put some validity to it and trying to establish it as a part to Jewish Christians. The first thing he starts off with is not miracles. It's not what Jesus said. It's going, hey, let me tell you where he came from. It says, he, it's a record of his ancestors of Jesus, a descendant. I mean, he came through some of the all-time greats, Hall of Fame. He came from David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez, not of the Hilton clan. Uh, and of Zerah, a great store, but that's not the one we're talking about, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. He was a goat, greatest of all time. Next verse. Ram was the father, got to keep up with me this morning. If you're not awake, you're going to miss these jokes, and I put a lot of time into these, all right? Ram was the father of Abinadab. Abinadab was the father of Neshron. Neshron was the father of Salmon. Sounds fishy to me. Next verse. Just seriously, all right. In God we trust. Okay, verse 5. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, we jump down now into the next verse. We jump down to verse 15. And it says this. It says, Eliad was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Matin. Matin was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, who was the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Verse 17. This is so good. It says, all those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 generations from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. 42 generations 
are represented. They go back into Jesus' genealogy, into his history, 42 generations, which now is giving him credibility to the people Matthew's writing to, Jewish Christians. It says in verse 18, it says in verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Just unfollow her on Instagram. That's how we do it today. That's what he's going to do there. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Can I just tell you, your dreams are important. Did you ever see this before? That God came to Joseph. He didn't part the skies. He didn't just like light up a hillside in a dream. And some of us cast off our dreams, say, it's, hey, it's just of our youth. And dreams are for when you're young. God speaks through dreams. His church is a dream. Your life is a dream. God wants to get to you. And sometimes it's a dream that while well, you're fully awake, and sometimes it's you're asleep. And sometimes it's a, it's a goal, but sometimes God will speak to you when you're asleep because he's God. It says, he spoke to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. Again, the genealogy, son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid and take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Oh, this is the best verse. And he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred occurred to fulfill the Lord's um, message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us, not God is against us. Some of you need to know that. Some of you think God is angry. Some of you think God is mad. You think God is just trying to crush us with our shame and our judgment. It says God is with us, not God is against us. Some of you need to leave here today knowing God is for you. That'll change the way you walk. It'll change the way you sleep. God is with us. Verse 24, when, Jesus, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Notice that? Joseph, through a dream, heard the name. He's the one that gave the baby the name. Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus. Today, for the next few minutes, we're going to start this series. This is the title today. If you're taking notes, write this title down. It's a wonder. Just write. The, look at your neighbor and say, it's a wonder. You made it to church on time. Say, it's a wonder. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's a wonder that you fed your kids this morning. Come on, it's a wonder. It's a wonder. Write that down somewhere. I believe you should take notes in church. Notes never forget. We're launching a podcast soon, but I believe there's someone taking notes in the moment to get it into your heart. If God can get it into your heart, he can get it into your life. Come on, somebody. Let's pray one more time. God, thank you for these next few minutes. I pray that you would help us today understand you are with us. God, I'm asking today for an awakening of wonder, not just of Christmas, but of your goodness and of your grace and of your power. Father, thank you for these amazing people. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonder defined. I looked this up. What does it mean, wonder? We use that word as movies, wonder woman. We, 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 we throw this word around. What does it mean, wonder, if you were to define it? It means this. It's surprise mingled with admiration. I like that. It's surprise seasoned with admiration. It's fascination. It's to be amazed. It's astonished. It's the wow factor. Just wow. Once in a while, you, do, you see something or you experience something. It's like, wow. The wonder of something is truly Amazing. Here's the problem I found with wonder is that there's something about the human nature that what amazes us in one moment 
eventually fades and becomes routine. That we quickly use the wonder of incredible things. That things that once made us go wow over time turns into whatever. I had this friend named Chad who, who lived in Illinois about two hours into Illinois outside Chicago. And he texted me one day. He's like, Mike, this is so crazy. He's like, I took our kids to Florida. And they have four kids. I took them to Florida for vacation. And his kids had never seen the ocean before. Now, being a maritimer, we can't even fathom that. Some of you moved here from Alberta or the prairies, and you came east. Thank God wise men still live in the east. Come on, somebody. Uh, come, come, come to the east. It's the, the best-kept secret in the summertime in Canada. But, but he lives in Illinois, but he went to Florida with his kids. He said, Mike, it was so funny. They went into the ocean. They had never seen the ocean before. He's like, they'd seen the lake, they've, they, they've seen big lakes, they'd never seen the ocean. And all of a sudden, the waves, they weren't prepared for that because they're used to lakes that are pretty flat, all of a sudden they're getting in and there's this, this riptide and there's these waves and all of a sudden they're trying to surf these waves and they were amazed by the ocean. And then one of his youngest daughters went underwater and came up spitting and coughing. He's like, what's wrong? She goes, that water tastes funny. It's salt. There's like salt in that water. And he's like, it's amazing to me. My kids were amazed by the ocean. Like, Dad, this water is different. Look at these waves. Isn't it cool that the ocean was a wow and a wonder to them, but to us... The harbor is something that we cross sometimes out of duty and whatever. i got to find a loony for the toll. And we look at the ocean as a barrier or as a nuisance, and there's no wonder in the ocean sometimes. Isn't it amazing that things that were once a wonder can turn into whatever? I have friends that live in Niagara Falls. My first time at Niagara Falls, I was like, this is wow. Niagara Falls at night is beautiful. But it's funny, my friends who live there, they, they drive by it almost every day. They don't even look at the window at the falls. Because why? It's the falls. If you grew up in a city like New York, your first time in New York, you're like, wow. Your second time in New York, you're like, wow. But after a while, I was there two weeks ago. It's amazing. Empire State Building, I just walked right by. Why? Because wow can turn into whatever. I believe God wants us to awaken some wow in our life. Marriage can be like that, can it? Every guy's like, all right, just look straight ahead. Don't, don't laugh right now. Just go into your safe place. But do you remember your wedding day? Like, we got married almost 18 years ago. On your wedding day, there's that wow wonder factor of, 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 of setting up a wedding and all the invitations. And I'm going to talk like I know what happened on our wedding day. And, and guest lists and decorations and the dress. Oh, say yes to the dress. Ring the bell. All the details. And I said to show up and look good. And I did my part. All right. And... And, and all the de- and then you get there at the wedding ceremony. We got married in St. John's, Newfoundland, on Signal Hill, and beautiful view of the city, and the, the wonder of that moment of people looking at me and understanding that I'm about to say yes and forever to the love of my life. And in that moment, I'm trying to take it all in because I know this moment will go by so quickly. And yes, there'll be video. Back then it was VHS tapes, and there will be pictures, and there will be stories, but there's nothing like being in the moment. And my wife walked down the aisle to the wrong song. They played the wrong song. And she walked down the aisle and she was stunning. And in that moment of wonder, realizing there's a lot of days in your life, but this day is full of wonder. It'll change my life forever. It's going to change the direction of my life. And I knew that kids would come and, and there would be memories and there would be challenges and great wins. And this day was filled with wonder. Fast forward, maybe a decade later, the wow and wonder of marriage can turn into Morning breath for a couple decades. Come on, somebody. At first, you couldn't wait, couldn't wait to wake up, and now it's just like, okay, you need a tic-tac, and that's just me, you know? And, 
All of a sudden, you're making lunches for kids and driving kids. You feel like you're a taxi service and errands and mowing the lawn and fighting over who takes the green bin out. Or is that just us? We're, we're the, I just submit now. But the green bin, I hate the green bin. I just hate it because things crawl into the green bin. And but where are my other cowards in the room? Come on, somebody. Like, like our forefathers conquered countries. For me, I feel like I did something if I go to the green bin and come back alive. Because there's dangerous things in Beaver Bank where I live. There's bears, raccoons, squirrels, things that can take your life. There are a few things as scary as a quick-moving squirrel. Can I just tell you that right now? So I, I do this. Nancy stands in the window and Instagrams me doing it. I walk out to the green bin, and before I get there, I kick rocks at it. And then I kick the green bin, and then I open the lid and shut it. And if nothing jumps out, then I'm like, all right, what? I got this. And pour it in. But isn't it amazing? After a couple years, after a decade, the wonder of marriage can turn into the whatever. Isn't it true? I believe our faith can be the same way. I think Christmas can be a lot like that. Once there was wonder of lights, you see it through a kid's eyes, the wonder of lights and gifts and music and family and food and the mall and just Winnie the Talking Christmas Tree who is retired now and, you know, Santa and elves and, and, and music and church and the, the wonder and the special of decorating a tree can turn into whatever. we got to get this done. I think our faith can be a lot like that. You remember where you were when God touched your life? Do you remember the wonder in that moment? For you in this room, the head have met Jesus and he's impacted. Do you remember where you were when God got a hold of your life? Not church. I mean, God, got the wonder in that moment. Do you remember all of a sudden you feeling hope for the first time? And man, it's like life was still tough, but all of a sudden you couldn't stop singing and dancing and moving. And you were just on fire with joy. And do you remember the wonder in that moment? I remember I was 19 years of age, and I grew up in a great church and a church kid, but somewhere in the middle of it, the wonder, I never caught the wonder. My parents had the wonder, but their wonder was my whatever. And sometimes you grow up in someone else's wonder, and it's just your whatever. And Jesus died on the cross was a wonder to them, but it was a whatever to me. I knew it. I knew all the songs. I had always had communion. I grew up in a great church, but at age 19, I was struggling with some things in my life. I struggling with anger, and I don't know why. I had an easy life, but somewhere there was an anger that was causing me to lash out and even getting in trouble with the law. And I never forget the one weekend where they almost threw me into this correctional center for getting in a fight. And that's dangerous when you're this skinny and this weak, but I did it. My best move is to run away. But that, I was getting in some trouble, and I had this anger in my life. And I felt like I was just ready to snap. And in the middle of this heaviness on my life, I was in Hamilton, Ontario in a service. And a wonderful man named Paul Francis was preaching at the back of a room. I sat at the back, and all of a sudden, the wonder of God got a hold of my life. And this one man walked up and said, hey, can I pray for you? I'm like, yeah, sure. I lead prayer meetings at home. I even started preaching, whatever. And he prayed a prayer for me, and I don't know, understand what happened, but in that moment, it went from whatever, and it awakened a wonder in my life, and I felt joy like I've never felt. It's almost like being in here, and you think it's bright. And then you go outside at noon on a summer day and you're like, no, that's bright. I thought I had joy until I experienced the joy of the Lord. And now the wonder was there. And all of a sudden I was like a man possessed with joy and hope. And I couldn't wait to build his church and reach people. Do you remember where you were when God got a hold of your life? Oh, I believe our faith. We need to fight for the wonder in our life. We need to fight for it. The wonder can fade. I want to encourage you to say, we need to awaken it. We need to fight to keep the wow factor in our marriages, in our health. Listen, if you're, if you're here today, 
you don't realize how, bad, how good your health is until you lose parts of it. And we need to keep the wonder of, I'm thankful today that I have a sharp mind most of the time. And, and I feel good. I want to, we keep the wonder in our health. Keep the wonder for God's plan for your life. We say that a lot around here, but do you understand? Listen to me. God has a plan for your life. If you get a hold of that, that'll change the way you live. God, you're not here because two people got together. You're not here because of an accident, whether your parents planned you or didn't. You are here because God has a plan for your life. Before you were born, before your parents ever came together, God said he knew every hair on your head. He had a plan for you. God has a plan for your life. There is wonder in that. I'm reminded this isn't by chance. This isn't a gamble. God ordained this. God sets you here. God has a plan for you and for me and for us. There's wonder in that. Here's what I thought today. When we start to lose the wonder, we start to wander. Whether it be your marriage or your faith, when you start to lose the wonder of what is happening, you'll start to wander. Doesn't that happen? When the Israelites lost the wonder of the power of God, they started to wander. Sometimes in our commitments, when we lose the wonder, we start to wander. And sometimes in our faith, when we lose the wonder of what God is, that's why the Bible says, restore to me. The joy of my salvation. Why? Because if I can stay in the wonder, I'm not going to wander. So many people, they start well, but they, they have this wonder, but somewhere they forget about the wonder, and they start to wander because they're bored. Can I encourage you today? Your faith should not be boring. Your faith should be one of wonder, but you need to fight for the wonder. That's why there's date night. Me and my wife went and seen a beautiful play. June, one of our team, is uh, an assistant stage manager and helps run a theater at Neptune, and we went on date night. Why? Because we, I realized that if I don't date my wife, someone else will try to. Think about that. Why? Because you can get caught in the routine of green bins and attacking squirrels and making lunches for your kids and just doing the bills and starting a church. But if you lose the wonder, somewhere you'll start to wander. Even more so in our faith. Oh, there's wonder in this story of Christmas. That God came to save us from our sin. Not to judge us, not to condemn us, but to reach us. There's wonder in the story of Christmas. In verse 21, it says it so well. It says, for he will save his people from their sins. There's wonder in this. Matthew now, telling this story about genealogy, here's the challenge. In telling the story, he sets up a tension that this morning we need to address. Here's the tension. We're going to go through this pretty quick. Here's the tension we need to address. Rahab and Mary. In the history of Jesus, the genealogy, they mention Rahab, who was a prostitute, and Mary, who is known as the Virgin Mary. You don't get any more opposite than the prostitute and the virgin. Like, there's nothing possibly more opposite than a prostitute, a woman who was known for selling her body, to a woman who was known for saving her body. There is nothing more opposite than a prostitute and a virgin. And in this genealogy of Jesus, Matthew mentions these people and creates a tension that I think God wants to speak to us to awaken the wonder in this story. Mary's known for her virginity. That's why she's called the Virgin Mary. She's known for that. I used to think the point of mentioning Mary's virginity is that that, that, that was to speak that God would only attach his plan to someone who was pure. Someone who was perfect, the best of the best. Like if there was a purity contest, she would have won it. That's why. I remember hearing the story about Mary's virginity and her purity thinking, God looked around the whole earth and go, who is the most perfect and most pure and most untouched? 
Yes, that's the only one I'll ever attach myself to. That's the only one that my son could come through. And I thought that was the point. We need to honor Mary. We need to honor her purity, her strength, her courage. My Catholic friend, I said, what's the difference between us and the Catholic Church? And there's a few, but he said, I feel like we talk about Mary maybe too much. He said, I feel like you guys don't talk about Mary enough. We need to honor Mary. Her courage, her strength, and her purity. But if that's the only value God puts in people, what do we do with Rahab? Because Matthew put her into the genealogy. She's a part of the journey. Here's the wonder today. It's a wonder who God uses. It's a wonder. It's a wonder who God uses. One shouldn't be allowed in the plan, and one couldn't be expected to know what to do with the plan. Listen, Rahab shouldn't. Mary couldn't. Rahab shouldn't. Listen, you should not be involved in this. We know who you are. We know what you did. We've seen your Facebook. You're getting clothes and a Bible for Christmas. Come on, somebody. We all have those friends on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, dear Jesus, I like them, but I cannot look at their pictures. Rahab had some issues, and she shouldn't have been involved in this story. She was a shouldn't. Mary was a couldn't. She couldn't be expected to do with a baby. She has no experience. You think about giving the best gift. The plan, the rescue mission for humanity was put into someone with no experience on how to raise the kids. It should have been given to someone with five kids, six kids, seven kids, going, oh, listen, he's going to cry. He's going to have a fever. He's going to be as much man as he is God, as much God as he is his man. He is vulnerable to disease. He is vulnerable to sudden infant death syndrome. He is vulnerable to a lot of things. You're going to give that to someone who's never had the experience? Think about that. One shouldn't have been involved, and one couldn't be expected to know what to do. But God uses the shouldn'ts and the couldn'ts, and that's the wonder of this. We disqualify ourselves. Well, I, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Some of you, I know some of your stories. If you knew all the stories in this room, some of you are like, no, I shouldn't go to church. I shouldn't be involved. I, I shouldn't go the next steps. I shouldn't help out. I, I shouldn't be on the worship team. I've done too much. I've been, I've been through some stuff. And we disqualify ourselves because we should. Others are like, no, I couldn't do that. I've never done that before. Shane, I love his courage. He's like, I'm, I'm, not, that's not really, I'm an introvert. That's not really my thing. He could disqualify himself saying, I, I, I've never done that. I couldn't do that. But God uses the shouldn'ts and the couldn'ts because he wants to get his story to us. That's the wonder of Christmas. That God started this whole thing with some shouldn'ts and couldn'ts to get the story to you that the wonder is God wants to use you in his plan. But we make excuses. In this one genealogy, Matthew makes a point of destroying every excuse we have for not engaging with God in this mission. He's like, that one shouldn't have, and that one couldn't be expected. But you know what? They're in there, and God used them. God wants to eliminate our excuses this morning. Some of us shouldn't be in this journey. We should be disqualified. Shouldn't of us, some of us couldn't be in this journey. We're unqualified. Some of us are disqualified, and some of us are unqualified. Oh, but God's got a plan. We let the fear of the unknown keep us from stepping into the story. It's risky putting something valuable into unproven hands, isn't it? A couple years ago, I took, when I was a youth pastor, I took 30 young people to Las Vegas for a missions trip. If you're a betting man, <laughs> odds are that was going to go bad. Think about some, some, some parents here let me take their teenagers to Las Vegas. Viva. I think it was the Elvis in me. I, just, I was drawn to Vegas. To work with homeless people and to work with prostitutes and to, to work with uh, uh, people in distress in Las Vegas. We stayed at a homeless shelter. We, we slept in the same, but we, we ate food with homeless people. We lived there, and I was a young, I was 30. And what's amazing is some of these parents are like, okay, 
We're going to trust our best, our, our, our greatest. Uh, we're going to trust our kids with, with, with Pastor Mike. We're going to go to Las Vegas for a week. I'll never forget walking down the street called Fremont Street. I walked in this, into this place to eat, this, this, big, uh, this big buffet, and this one guy was drunk. And he looked at me, looked at all these teenagers, like 13, 14 with me. Nat, Natalie Landrell was there. Lyman's daughter was there. 13, 14, we're all in Las Vegas. Like, oh, just picture that for a moment. Me, it's like a herd of teenagers and kids in Las Vegas. Of all the places to go, we went to Las Vegas, and this one guy, drunk, looks at his buddy and goes, he look over, he goes, what kind of a camp counselor are you? <laughs> I'm like, I'm going qualified, you know. It's a risky thing to put something of value into unqualified hands, but that's what Jesus did. We elevate Mary's virginity, but really she was unprepared for the assignment on her life. She'd never raised a kid. She'd never, never navigated childbirth. Obviously, she wasn't prepared because she would have been somewhere earlier than she was. She, she'd never been here before. But God uses the disqualified and the unqualified to get his story to people. That's the wonder of Christmas. Removes the excuse. The story of a young man named Nolan I met last summer. Nolan's in a wheelchair. He can't talk. He mumbles. He, 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 those that know him understand him, but his, all I hear is, uh, and he can't speak words, but people know what he's saying. And God spoke to him. This, this man confined to a wheelchair, this teenager that can barely speak and can't move, and he can't use the bathroom on his own. He can't feed himself. He has a mechanical wheelchair. He can move his thumb a little bit, and God spoke to him saying, I want to use you to pay for missionaries to go around the world. And some of us would say, no, no, he can't do that. He's not qualified. He can't even speak. And God said to this young man, I want you to have an ice cream truck. So through his grunts and his moans, in the middle of a service like this, he said to his brother, mm. his brother, what did you say? He goes, mm. his brother said, did you just say $10,000? God wants you to give $10,000. No, we don't have that kind of money. He called his parents over and go, listen, what are you saying? His father goes, what do you mean $10,000? He goes, I want to give $10,000 through his grumbles and his moans, and I want an ice cream truck. That's a pretty good dream right there. And all the proceeds, he communicated this through grunts and groans to his parents. Everyone else would say, well, that's nice. Let's, let's, you know, let's not break the boy's dream in front of him, but obviously he can't. He couldn't do this. This summer... I'm in Illinois. Who pulls into the campground? No one's family. In an ice cream truck. They're ringing the bell, singing the sirens. All the kids come running. A thousand kids running to a truck selling ice cream. Nolan gave over $40,000 to missions last year. Why? Because people say he couldn't. But God will speak to the people that say they can't be done or shouldn't be done. Just realize I'm yelling a lot, but I'm passionate about this. If you're looking for a quiet church, there's others in the city. Go enjoy. But this is not one why. Because there is a wonder in this journey. We will not sit down. We will not shut up. We will not step back. Why? Because God is passionate about people. And the wonder is he wants to use you to reach them. Oh, there's wonder in this. You know, it's amazing when the UPS FedEx driver shows up. You never think about the package in relation to the vehicle. I'm not accepting that package. Look how dirty that truck is. That uniform is not wrinkled. It's wrinkled. It's not, it's not iron. There's rust on that wheel. I think he was going over the speed limit. You get that package. You don't care. I got Christmas. You know what? That's what God is. We're just the messenger. 
Some of you think, don't think enough of yourself. And some of us think too much of ourselves. But we're just the messenger. We're just the delivery of hope. All Mary and Rahab were, were the messengers delivering Jesus the hope. That's all their job was. And some of you think too much of yourself. Listen, get over yourself. You're not that bad. You're not that good. God has a plan. He'll use you. But we are messengers to get God's goodness to our city. Some of you don't think enough of yourself. I can't do that. I, I, I just got to be in the background. I can't listen. We're just the messenger. Just drop the package off. Just love people. You don't need a skill set. Just love people. You know what church is? It's not in here. It's out there, actually, in that lobby. More happens in that lobby than it ever does in here. Get the church early. Enjoy the coffee and the community. Why? Because all you got to do is love people. God doesn't choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. Some of you think, I'm not qualified. No, no, God doesn't use the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. He's choosing you. He'll qualify you. I have a confession as we get ready to close today. I'm not qualified to be the pastor of this church. I'm not smart enough. Me and Nancy aren't smart enough. We're not good enough. We're not talented enough. We're not, we, we don't actually know what we're doing. <laughs> Some of you are like, we can tell, you know. Church is on Saturday. It's on Sunday. We don't even know. We're figuring this out. If you're looking for a smart pastor, look to Nancy, but not here. If you're thinking, what's the master plan? What's your five-year plan? Just try to keep doing what we're doing. I feel like I am out of my league here, but you know what? I feel like I'm in the center of God's will. God uses the unqualified and the disqualified. You know, it's amazing that this Christmas story, the sin, the pain, the loss, it moved God from heaven. If it moved God, shouldn't it move us? If it moved God, shouldn't it move us? This Christmas in the middle of your shopping list and your Amazon and your deliveries and staff parties and navigating the wonder and the whatever, be reminded that this whole thing is here because God moved from heaven to us. And let it be said of us that it moves us toward our God and our city. It's a wonder that God uses us. It's a wonder that we get to be a part of this. Two things, I'm going to close. You're like, Mike, I don't know God. I showed up here today. I don't know God. I don't know church. I'm just, I showed up because someone invited me and I had nothing to do in the morning and I'm kind of liking this. I definitely like, I like the vibe, but I'm not sure. But you walked in here unsure, but now you're starting to feel something like hope. You're starting to feel something like some faith, like maybe there is a God. Maybe he has a plan. I want to let you know that's God working on your heart. Today, we want to give you a challenge, give you an opportunity today. We want to pray for you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. If you want to be included in a prayer, we're going to pray for you and believe that you can start this Christmas season that represents God leaving heaven to rescue us, that this Christmas season you can receive the gift that is him. The best part about Christmas is just receiving a gift. You don't need to work for it. You just receive it. Do you know what that's what Christmas is? The wonder is you can't earn this. You can't work for this. You just got to go, thank you, God, that you forgive my sin and my shame and my choices and my mess. And I can know you can know God. If you want to bow your head just for a moment, close your eyes just for a moment to give some privacy in this room. I don't know your story. I don't know your story. I don't know what brought you to church on a Sunday morning. You're like, Mike, I want to know God. I just want you to pray for me right where I'm sitting. All I'm going to ask you in a moment is just raise your hand. That's it. And put it right back down. And we're going to pray for you. And believe this Christmas that the wonder of the goodness of God will overtake you. You'll walk out of here with joy in your heart, purpose in your life, 
forgiveness, and joy. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, and you say, Mike, include me in that prayer, just raise your hand up real quick all over this place. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand up. I see that hand. I see that hand. All over this place. I see that hand. Put it right back down. Let's pray. Can we pray together? Can we repeat after me? Can we all repeat this together? Can we in this together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, come on, say it with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonder of forgiveness. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my wrong choices. I want to be connected with you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I want to start my journey of faith. I love you, Jesus. I believe in your plan. Help me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give me a round of applause today for the four to five. Last thing, my water just broke. All right. I just spilled over a water bottle. Me and Mary, okay. Here comes the challenge. You ready for this? I need everybody listening. We're going to take, a, we're going to take a, a journey right now. I refuse to be a church that's just for the saints. We're so glad you're here. If this is your faith, we're so glad. But we're on mission. That's why two-thirds of the word God is go. He's calling us to go. I met with the principal of this school a few weeks ago. Principal Tim. I said, Tim, we meet in the theater. He's like, yeah. I was like, what's your greatest need as a school? It's dangerous to ask a question like that. I said, you, I would love to redo your teacher's lounge. I had this vision of going in, move that bus, come on. Go in and renovate the teacher's lounge. I saw Ikea furniture and Keurigs and new paint and just blessing on the teachers. He's like, yeah, that's, that's a cool idea. He said, but you know what we actually need? I'm like, oh, okay, what do you need? He's like, we, we are a diverse school. We have some really, really well-off families. Some of the most well-off in Halifax live in this neighborhood. But we also have very, very poor families. We have everything from the, the big houses on the hill to the fishing communities actually reached in this jurisdiction. He's like, we got kids going to school hungry every day. We have a feeding program. Some of you know about feeding programs in schools. He said, we only had enough money to do three days a week this week and this year. And he's like, you know what? The teachers, yeah, that would be awesome. But to be honest, what would help the classroom, kids can't learn if they can't hear the teacher over their own belly grumbling. He said, they can't focus. We got, we got people coming in with refugee status and we have immigrants coming in that are in transition and turmoil, trying to give their life, figure out their life. And he said, kids are coming in hungry to school. He's like, that's a need we have. I'll be honest, I said, okay. I said, I don't know if we can, I said, how much is that for a year? He's like, we're only doing three days a week. We need five. He's like, it's between six and $8,000. I'm like, we're just trying to make budget every week. And we're doing it. And this isn't a guilt thing. I hope you hear my heart on this. This isn't that. We're making budget. We're doing all right. I'm like, that's a, that's a big ask at Christmas time. That's a, that's a lot. But then something in my heart started to rise up going, no, 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 no. We're a part of his mission. The wonder is God gets to use us. And I thought, could it be that some people under the sound of my voice that have come together, not just to have a church for each other, but to get inspired and strengthened, but can reach our city, and our city starts with these hallways. How would it change this school on, on a Monday morning knowing that the theater church, that sometimes is an inconvenience to the school, actually stepped in to solve the problem of every classroom, 
The kids coming in from other countries that literally are in war to the kids that maybe grew up here but they don't have the finances can actually start school with some food. So I'm going to put the challenge there. So for next week, you'll see the slide. Next week, I know it's Christmas time. There's a lot of places for our money to go. We have to make budget. We have to make budget. But we're going to take two offerings next week. We're going to take our budget. We're going to go to tithes and offerings. We're going to believe that we can keep the lights on and keep doing the stuff we're doing and keep what we got to do. But then we're going to take another offering. We're going to call it our Nova Christmas gift. Isn't that really unique and really, really creative? You're like, that's a genius name. It's like our, which means it's not just me. Hopefully someone's helping me. Nova, that's us. And it's Christmas. It's going to be a gift. That's genius marketing right there. But next Sunday, we're going to bring our Nova Christmas gift. And I told him, I said, I don't know if we can take care of the whole year or maybe just help you a little bit, but I'm going to put it to our people and see if there's any chance they want to be a part of the most wonderful time of the year. And some of you feel unqualified going, listen, I don't, I don't got enough. It's not about equal giving. It is about equal sacrifice. And some of you, $5 is huge. And some of you, 5000 is not. And God's blessed us to be a blessing. And next week, we're going to see what happens. And we're going to walk in and we're going to give that man a check for a little or a lot. And we're going to be a part of the solution to help this school and people we, that are far from God and people that we don't know that they can hear an education people of different faith, people of different backgrounds, people that may never come in this building. It's not about filling this room. It's about being the light of Christ, the most wonderful time of the year. So next week, come prepared. And maybe there'll be an appetite to help us solve a problem in this city. How many think that's a good idea? I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. We're going to sing this song, I've Gone Too Long. I don't apologize for that. I'm just letting you know I know that I've gone too long. My goal today was preach 30 minutes. Failed. But I'm unqualified, so what do you expect? <laughs> Just don't disqualify me. Come back. Can we stand to our feet today? Let's sing this song. We'll praise the beautiful name. The wonder is God gets to use us, amen? Come on, let's sing this together as we close today. Let's give our best to the Lord.